In the name of God, who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Each year, as we enter into the season of Lent, we hear these lessons that call us to repentance. Words probably familiar to many of you that remind us that we are but dust before the Lord. That though we are precious, our bodily form in this life is temporary and finite. Words that remind us, too, of the power of God and of the sacrifice of our Savior. The reading that we've just heard from the book of Joel is one of my favorites. And this year, as I prepared for this time together, there was one piece that jumped out very specifically at me, and it is this part. Return to the Lord with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. In scripture, we hear often of the ancient Jewish practice of tearing one's clothing. In fact, we just heard it in one of the passages on Sunday, just a few days ago. It's literally the practice of rending one's garments as if I were to rip open my robes right now. In Hebrew scriptures, Jacob tears his garments when he believes that his son Joseph is dead. King David does the same when he hears that Saul and Jonathan are dead. And over and over, this practice is tied up in grief and often related to our faith. In fact, when Jesus is facing the religious elites and he has testified to the truth, but they don't believe it, they believe they've heard heresy. The text tells us that the high priest rips open his garments in sadness, in frustration, because he's appalled by what he's just heard because he doesn't believe it. And so this practice is one we hear about over and over again, and it's probably most often related to the grief we feel when we lose a loved one. But in this case, related to this text on this day for us as God's people, as Christians, what we're intended to be thinking about here is grief really in relation to us, in relation to our sin and our relationship with God. Grief that comes when we take an honest look at ourselves and our mistakes and want to do better before the Lord. Lent asks us to take that serious look at ourselves and at our lives, our patterns, our problems, and the ways we participate in the sin of the world. Now, whether that's structural racism or oppression or climate change or really any one of a number of other ways that we hurt each other often without even knowing it, just because we're a part of the system and a part of the world, if you've looked at that seriously, you know that there's really no way for us to be entirely innocent, to extricate ourselves from the ways of the world and from the system in which we live. We are a part of it, and we can't exactly remove ourselves from it, and that's necessary. But there are ways that we can help to make it better, to try to shift the world around us and to try to shift ourselves. And that often begins with an acknowledgement of where we are and who we are, and what needs to change. What Joel is inviting us to do is not to rend our garments or tear open our robes, but to look so carefully at ourselves and at our lives and at the world around us that grief fills our hearts for the things we've done wrong, for the places where we've strayed from God, for the moments where we've hurt each other, that for this, our hearts might be broken. Elsewhere in scripture, we hear that the sacrifice God really wants is in grain or animals, as it often was for God's people in Israel, but is really a broken and contrite heart. Because it's from this grief-filled heart, from this broken and contrite place, that we learn to change, that we learn to love, that we learn to live again.
It's from this honest, deep look that is a sign of our willingness to contend with ourselves and our sin, that we find ourselves ready to try again and ready ultimately to live differently. There is this common misconception about Lent um, that it is just this gray and awful and somber season. And I, I love debunking this. I think I probably talk about it every year because it's one of my favorite things to say about the church year that when we come into Lent, this season is not designed to make us feel badly about ourselves. It is not designed to make us feel ashamed because the God who loves you never wants you to be ashamed or to hang your head in shame. The God who loves you more than you can imagine only wants you to know goodness and abundant life, to be freed from the things that hold you back, from hatred and fear, from sadness and weakness, from addictions and prejudices, from grudges and vengefulness, from mistakes and yes, from any kind of sin. And so what Lent really is, is the invitation to take a deep dive, mostly very privately if you listen to the gospel. There are very few rare moments when we're invited to do this in public. We're not really supposed to do that deep dive and that spiritual work in front of others. So we're not supposed to be embarrassed or ashamed because it's not supposed to be on display. But instead, we're supposed to make a private inventory, to make sacrifices, to reorder our priorities, to return to the Lord with all our heart, ready to acknowledge what was and to begin again at peace with God, at peace with ourselves, and at peace with our neighbors. And the truth is that for all of us, and I do mean all of us, this is a process, something that happens over time something we have to return to again and again each Lent and often many times in between Lent, if we're honest with ourselves, because the more we return to the Lord, the more we study scripture, the more we settle into prayer, the more we practice loving our neighbors, the more we give and serve and reach out and humble ourselves, the more we change a little bit at a time until the sharp places in our hearts and in our lives and even in our eyes are softened. And a little at a time, we find ourselves more the person more the presence, more the beloved child of God that we were always created to be. For me, one of the images that helps me remember this process is the image of sea glass, glass that originally is broken, right? Or it wouldn't end up in the sea and sort of be tossed around, glass that can't be used for what it was intended to do anymore, glass that is essentially irredeemable, at least on the surface, right? And if you pick it up wrong on the beach, if it hasn't spent a lot of time in the water yet, if you step on it, then it's very likely going to cut you and hurt you because the edges are sharp. But once it spends some time in the water, once it's tossed in the waves, once it's rubbed down by the sand, once it's turned over and over and over again at the will of the water and the waves, one wave at a time, one grain of sand at a time, then it eventually becomes smooth. And the color changes. It's still colorful and beautiful, but it's different than it was before, different than maybe what human hands thought it was intended to be, what the glass was originally made for. Now it's something else, something different, something with a completely different purpose. And by the time it's been in the water a long time, it's safe to handle, lovely to hold, beautiful to look at, maintaining its unique sense of self, but different still in form in many ways. If you picked up a bag of ashes, you also got a few pieces of sea glass in your bag. And if you didn't, I'm sure you can find some, or if you send me a note, I would be happy to give you some. 
And as part of our Lenten practice this year, I want to encourage you to put a piece of that sea glass in your pocket. Whatever else it is you're going to do for the rest of Lent, whether you give something up or take something on, however it is you intend to draw more near to the Lord, take some sea glass with you. Put it on the dash of your car, put it in your pocket so that every time you reach in, you feel this sort of soft, smooth edges. Put it on a windowsill in the house or in a couple of places in the house where you'll see it. And let it remind you this Lenten season and your whole life long that you are still a work in progress. That you are still being worked on, that God is still washing the waves of life over you and smoothing your edges and asking you to choose to stay in it to stay in the, in the water, to stay in the waves, and to let it wash over you, to let the waters of God's love and the waters of our faith slowly change and soften you. Remember that God does not expect you to be perfect. And this isn't a losing battle. You haven't lost before you started just because you aren't perfect or you've made some mistakes or two days ago in the middle of Lent, you forgot to do that extra pattern of prayer you said you were gonna do every day. Our God is loving and merciful and only wants you to draw near, to know that God is near you and that there are good things stored up for you. So as we put ashes on our heads today, remember that this body is finite. Take seriously the words of this service that invite you to depend on the Lord, to understand that it is only by God's gracious gift that we are given eternal life. If you are putting ashes on yourself, today, let that be a moment of profound silence and prayer when you acknowledge humbly and honestly before the Lord that you need God's help and you know it, that you need God's love and mercy and you trust that you have it. If you are putting ashes on someone else's head, something that any clergy person will tell you is an incredibly powerful experience to put ashes on the heads of a congregation that you love or on the head of someone you love and care for, to be forced to contend with the mortality of people you love. In this case, if you're putting ashes on someone, the mortality of a friend or spouse or child or parent, then take that moment into, because it is rare and it has something to show you. Remember that you and they are also God's beloved and that though this body may fail, there is nothing that can separate them or you or us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And allow yourself to see within yourself and within those you love that shining promise, that little glinting piece of sea glass, the treasure in the sand, the bright spot of color on the beach. Remember that you are still being smoothed and polished and repurposed and that through all of the waves and all of the challenges of this life, you are not expected to be perfect. And even with sharp edges, you are God's beloved. And underneath that cross of ash on your forehead today is a cross of oil put on your head at your baptism, promising you God's abundant and eternal blessing. And there is nothing that can ever take that away from you. Amen. <laughs>